It's Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. This is our weekly opportunity to sit down with award-winning journalists from all over the East End to talk about the week's headlines, do a little bit of a deeper dive. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. We publish the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and the website 27east.com and also Express Magazine. My co-host is Bill Sutton, uh, who is the managing editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. As always, terrific panel. We have Beth Young, who is the editor of the East End Beacon. Hey, Beth. Good morning. Good to have you. Denise Civiletti, who's the editor of Riverhead Local. Hey, Denise. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good, good morning. And we have Oliver, Oliver Peterson of Dance Papers. Hey, Oliver. Hey, how are you? Glad to be here. Good to have you. So uh, this is it. We're coming up to the election on Tuesday and voting is already underway. Early voting is underway. Uh, We have a story this week, Bill, about uh, election integrity. Uh, Mike Wright spoke to some folks at the county. This is obviously uh, a matter of concern uh, because of the the hack of the Suffolk County systems um, earlier this year. And it's still lingering. The issues are still lingering, no question. But the county officials say that should not affect election night, right? Well, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, So the Board of Elections website is part of the county website, which, um, you know, was hacked. um, It's coming out a couple months now and still hasn't been fixed. And for us uh, reporter folk, um, you know what the the question is. So, so every every time there's an election, the board of elections on its website, um, shortly after nine p.m., begins posting on election day, election night, begins posting the results from the elections. But they're not going to have that website um, uh, available this year because of of, of the hack, obviously, um, which might could make it difficult for us we you know we like to be quick to report results what they're saying though is that they worked a deal out with the state board of elections um the state is going to host a a website similar to what the county um has up every year and that results will be posted on that site um it's it's not uh, ready or implemented yet but they're saying it's going to be ready by tuesday so we have uh fingers fingers crossed that um that that'll happen for our end so we can let voters know right away um the projected winners and, and losers of the election the good news is um from from all of that that the actual tabulation from the voting machines is on a, an entirely different system. So, you know, the, that's kind the, of a key point that we should emphasize that the, right. the, so, vote, the voting systems are not going to be subject to the hack. Correct. So they're I mean, not vote, connected to the internet is the thing too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the important thing. They're not connected to the internet. All the, all the votes go on like essentially hard drives. Fla- right. Flash drives. So, so right? each machine, yeah. each machine has, Two flash drives, one that that um, remains with the machine and, and is and delivered to to uh, to the board of elections, but one that that is removed and is uploaded, um, you know, um, to you know over the internet to the um, to the board of elections to do their preliminary results and and posting and um, and they guarantee that that's not at all connected to the to the county system. They've done some testing to make sure that uh, that the integrity of the machines is there and the tabulation is is there and all that and voters should not worry that um you know that that any of the hacking would would affect that so um, can I ask a sort of a wonky question here I mean mm-hmm. it's Friday and I'm here so, <laughs> what, so like what so you said it, it, they uploaded on the internet is it via the web or is it like a, a VPN? Do you know? Like, oh, I have no idea. Okay. That is actually a great question. And I don't know that, but I, I you know, I believe it's the, the question here is, do they upload it remotely or not? And I'm not sure about that. I wonder if they deliver that flash drive to the Board of Elections. Um, the, one, the one in the machine is delivered to the Board of Elections. But the um, other one gets but, uploaded. But the, the, the other one, the memory card, is uploaded from remote locations. 
um, for reporting purposes on election night um, to the BOE. Oh, and then they would cross-reference them with servers. the other hard drive. Yeah. Um, oh, that's and, right. And I guess the, Mike, Mike was saying the, that, that the, the remote locations are usually like police stations or firehouses or whatever. So so I imagine it's it's a fairly secure um, connection. It's not like right. some guy's plugging it into his laptop and, and, and shooting it across the ether. And, and the dedicated server is separate from where the county's website is hosted. So that's, you know, it's not like they're yeah, uploading to their website. They're sending it. Bottom line, right. there's the a, security there, on the other end is good. There's yeah. a lot of precautions in place. You know, the other the other interesting little thing that was mentioned in Mike's story, Bill, that I thought was interesting is that the county actually may have results, final results, a little faster this time because they have addressed the, the absentee ballot counting. They are not waiting to count absentee ballots. Those are those are going to be tabulated a lot faster so, than these. So those are already counted, the ones that are in. And um, and I, I believe as well, the early voting, um, they are secret. Nobody knows the results, but they have um, they are being uploaded as as they come in somehow or I imagine at the end of the day. Um, or whatever. So yeah, it, it, the, the state law used to be that they couldn't start counting those until after all the election results were in, leading in some cases, and I think it was it was two years ago was one of the cases where, um, you know, where you have clo close races that might not be decided for a couple weeks until all those absentee um, uh, right. ballots are in. And, and we know that um, in recent years, the number of absentee ballots has grown significantly. Um, due to or, and, and that led to reasons. the whole situation where like the vote seemed to change, right? Like that's what got the presidential election all kerfluey because and, and this they were they were leading in the in-person voting, but when the absentees came in, they got they were okay. overtaken by and this the, goes to the point the I was worried I'm I'm really worried about with this election and going forward, and and particularly this year with the, the governor's race, because we have seen polling all over the place. Uh, mm -hmm. It was as low as 4%. I saw a poll yesterday that suggested that Kathy Hochul has a 13 percentage point lead. It is really genuinely all over the place. And I don't think we know. I'm worried genuinely that the combination of erratic polling, which has become a problem in the last few years, combined with this narrative that's out there about stolen elections and fraudulent votes that that's none of it is rooted in reality, but it's it's a nagging thing that's out there. I'm just worried that that we the groundwork has been laid for all of these election results to be challenged as as you know, if it if no matter how they come in, you can have an argument that says, well, that's not that doesn't line up with the reality that I have for what I was expecting this election to be. And I, I'm really genuinely worried about how that's I, going to I think me. that's a good concern, Joe. That Pandora's box has been opened and you're going to have um, a, a number of, of I, I don't like to use the term losers, but, um, you know, people who are unsuccessful who in elections <laughs> that, that they're going to feel that it's appropriate to to challenge the the voting results now, where you you didn't see a lot of that in the past, but but now um, you know because of, of what happened in the last presidential election, um, you know again I think people are going to feel it's appropriate to do that, or they're going to that's part of their strategy, or, um, or what didn't didn't happen, and and not even you know not even the you know the. The, the candidates, but you're going to you're going to see that from from the public who, who where the the trust in the election in general, trust in elections in general has has um, has eroded because of that false narrative. Yeah. And I it's like I said, Oliver, I've I'm I'm on record that Bill and I have a dollar bet. I, I still believe that Kathy Hochul wins this race by 10 points. And I've thought that from the beginning and I haven't changed my mind through all this. But if you're a supporter of Lee Zeldin for governor and that race comes in at 10 points right now, I think after seeing all the headlines that Republicans closing gap and four percentage points, if it comes in at 10 percent, there's going to there's going to be a lot of people saying, 
well, that's not what people were saying a few weeks ago. And I'm okay. just and genuinely- New York is definitely a place where, you know, it's you're going to get a big badge from one place that's going to swing it one way and big badge from another place that's going to swing it another way. So it's, you know, until the final results are in, it's, it's going to look like a seesaw for a while, which doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, and that's always the problem with, with the yeah. early, you know, the, with the Board of Elections posting those those early results as, as they come in. Uh, election night is you've got different districts that lean one way or another. And you're going to see that in, I think, the congressional race, too, in the first district race where where, you know, depending on which district they're counting first, um, you know, you show a lead one way and then it switches and you see the lead the other way. And like Beth said, it's that that seesaw and. Um, um, so can I, can I just add something here to that, Bill, that like what you're describing, really, if if any of you have ever spent any nights as I have election nights, and I'm sure you all have uh, at different campaign headquarters, you see that all that's something that always happened, you know, but right. thanks to the, you know, the Internet, the inter- information superhighway and stuff, people are getting bombarded with things like that. And don't have that kind of like history knowledge. Yeah, and you know we were, so talk, seems, we were talking about that the other day at the party yeah. headquarters years ago before the internet. Thanks, internet. I mean, they used right. to have the big chalkboards, <laughs> and yeah. they would be you know you you would see the the party leaders on the phone, and they would be talking to the to the district observers or, or poll counters or, or whatever, and and they would be updating the results people. on the chalkboards yeah. and and all that and. And not for nothing, the media kind of waited a little while until yeah. you know, until results are oh, in. I, and I think now we kind of jumped and was, on and it's like uh, thir- with 13 percent of the precincts reported, it looks like the winner is going to be blah, blah, blah. And I think that can be a little dangerous. Uh, that was how we always got the re- results from the committee people or the poll inspectors or whoever coming in, either coming to headquarters in a local election, like you know, on the town level or calling them. And, I remember having to now, having to send a reporter to Yap Bank at six a.m. to try and pick up the printouts. The of the... I, I mean, uh, now when you go to campaign headquarters, everybody's looking at a laptop, right? And they yeah. have maybe a big screen that it's hooked up to, or a, a board where they're putting up the results. But it's all coming from the Board of Elections unofficial results posted online. So I really do honestly hope they get that together for you know Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little scary if 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 yeah. they don't. Regardless Oliver. of how any of this stuff looks, um, I mean, regardless of how secure, which it you know, like this hack and all this stuff that, uh, regardless of how secure it actually is, it's all going to be used as uh, I mean, the the anything will be used as fodder to uh, challenge it. Um, and you know, hopefully, if for instance, um, let's say Zeldin does uh, lose. Uh, I could be wrong. My impression is that he's, I don't know that he'd be the, I, I feel like he'd be the type to concede. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't think that the, that the voters would be necessarily. I think he has said that he will accept the results, but I think there's always an asterisk right now, especially with Republican candidates that they say, if it's a free and fair election, I will, I will accept the results, but that's a big if, you know, if you've decided to, to, to hang this on, you know, un, un, you know, baseless accusations that it's not uh, that there, there are some issues with an election. I mean, this is all assuming there won't be, but there there haven't been. I mean, there, there certainly weren't in 2020 and uh, we haven't seen any results. I'm, I'm intrigued. It's going to it's going to depend on how close the, the results are to whether whether Joe's right and it's 10 percent or more or whether I'm right and it's a and probably I'm right. Because I usually am, um, or it's going to be a lot closer. But, but let's I not lose forget. A lot of I mean, people. Bets to bill. Well, people have always called for recounts and and close elections, and um, we need to remember that too. That if it's a, if it's a if the totals are close, and you know, and and Zeldin or Hochul or whomever don't immediately concede, we don't need to jump into the you know conspiracy. Um, you know, wagon and, and you know, kind of let the recount happen and let the results uh, play out. I mean, look at the Zeldin um, uh, Bishop race in 20, not Bishop, Altshuler race in 2010, was it? Mm. 2012, yeah. I forget which one, but 
Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, painful. Like we didn't know until mid-December the results. And, the, and we learned through that that the Board of Elections has a very methodical process for doing those recounts. They don't, first of all, they don't just recount everything, but they they do a sampling. And then if there's if it's still within a certain number, you know, they do a bigger sample. They like do that three times. Um, and, um, you know, they're very methodical about it and slow. Right. <laughs> and, um, and as, you know, as they should be. Kind of painful. Yeah. But I mean, so. you know, I find it interesting that the new thing now is hand recounts that a lot of people are saying, well, we, we should do this by hand. And I think that introduces even more opportunity for human error yeah. into the counting process. And it, it just, I think we're chasing our tail here. We have a really secure, really solid election system. And it's just that I think the polling is feeding a lot of this because the polls, I think in an effort to try and get ahead of things, people were throwing numbers out all over the place. And, and that adds to the sort of insecurity. I, I think people aren't sure yeah. What they saw was reality. It's also what happened in 2020. I mean, that really set the groundwork for the the doubt that's been cast upon the election process in general in 2022 and going forward, I think. I I mean, I just think that, you know, in that respect, I have to say, and I'm being a little cynical here, but mission accomplished. Like, I think that was a big part of what the the goal was. Sure. And uh here we I, are living with it. They, they need to come up with a, a new way of, of doing the polling or we need to just throw polling out or, or stop taking it seriously or, or whatever. I, I mean, I, I, I responded to a poll. It was last week some, at some point and, and not for nothing. It, it came in as a as a text message. Click here to take yeah. the poll. And and I don't know if they know who they're sending this to. I mean, yeah, yeah. who are they just taking, um, you know, blocks of phone numbers and sending the poll and and all that? And it was pretty comprehensive. It took you know it took a few minutes to go through, um, you know. And I answered all the questions, but you know, I'm I'm thinking, uh, you know, in this day and age, on you know, a text message and website, are are people following through? Number one, how many people are actually responding? Are they being honest? Um, yeah. You know, and, and it just seemed it seemed. And what does that do to the sample that's collected? Yeah. You know, I mean, and it, it skews it, I think. Sorry, Beth. No, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, voters' moods are really fickle right now, too. I yeah. mean, somebody might not think they're not going to vote, and then they go to fill up their gas tank and they get pissed off and decide, <laughs> well, maybe I'll go vote, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I mean, I mean that's what it's the hidden votes out there that that yeah. I think are what it's all about. And I, you know, there's been I know that the that the the Democratic side has added a lot of voters among young people and among women in particular. And I feel like that may not be showing up in the polls. Right. I, I almost feel like polling is a vestige of, you know, the days before technology disrupted everything because exactly. I mean nobody's got landlines anymore or very few people do I think and and people just generally don't answer their phones anymore if your phone like we don't have a landline anymore and and at home here and our you know if I get a phone number a phone call rather on my cell from a number that's not in my book and that I don't recognize um I I, I don't even answer it. Yeah. You know? Oliver, have you ever answered a poll? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a landline and I primarily use my landline actually. Um, but uh, sorry, Oliver. <laughs> You're old school. Old school. See, now I would have thought you would have been the last person to still have a landline. No, I, I it's much better reception. I just I, I prefer it. Um, but uh and plus, you know, I'm always using my my cell phone to record my interviews so i i have to use my landline ah gotcha but uh yeah i mean i get those and then i get the calls um without uh uh revealing um uh who i'm voting for but i get the calls that you know oh can we count will we be able to count will we count on your vote um you know on this election day and i don't believe that's a poll so much as a just a you know um the party get out yeah get out out the the vote Which, yeah. by the way, is going to be essential. They do. Yeah, it's getting getting out the votes going to be the the essential thing too. I think for each side on on 
uh, Tuesday, but also the early voting again is still underway. Uh, this, I believe, it's still going on this weekend, right? You can still vote early yeah, this week. I have to go do that. And I yes. want in on your bet, guys. Ah. <laughs> and which way do you vote? Which way do you go? She's I, with I, me. I think it's. I think I'm. I think it's going to be far less than if if Hochul ekes it out. It's going to be a lot less than ten points. Is that what we're betting on the spread here, or the? Yeah, uh, yeah that's what I. I and, and I. You know, I'm committed to this and I'm just going to ride it out. But I fully acknowledge that <laughs> that, that it's I'm, a little bit of a I'm, long shot. I mean, if it doesn't win, we all burn our money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so confident, Joe, that I will cover Denise's bet. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so that's $2 on the table. Um, we'll let you know how that turns out. This is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co host is Bill Sutton. We're with the Express News Group. Our panelists today are Oliver Peterson from. Dan's Papers, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, and Beth Young of the East End Beacon. And uh, so one of the key issues, Denise, in the race right now is crime. And right now in Riverhead, you're experiencing a little bit of a mini crime wave, right? It sure seems that way. Just in the in the past week, um, you know, there have been a number of incidents that involve weapons. <laughs> um, I'm not laughing at that, but it's, I mean, this is not at all typical i mean you know by a long shot and um there was there was an armed robbery of a gas station uh right down the road from my house as a matter of fact that um when the clerk after the clerk complied with the robber's request um he ran from the building according to the police report and um then the uh suspect uh exited the building and chased him and fired at least 11 shots oh my. At, at the clerk according according to the police um th- and then the next morning police said this person who they uh said was responsible for that gas station robbery and one that occurred earlier the same evening in downtown riverhead um pointed a gun, according to the police report, at a passing motorist in the Peconic River parking lot downtown. Um, And so that led to his arrest. And then the investigation led to him being charged with the other two robberies. And and um, I I have to ask, Denise, did the gas station attendant, you said, the guy fired a lot of shots. No injury. At him. Were, no injury. That's no, he, thank goodness for that. Fortunately, I guess he wasn't a good shot or the guest. No, thank goodness for that. Yeah. Fast. You know, yeah. if if that were me, I wouldn't be here to talk about it right now because, like, you know, but like, it, it, so this man, you know, he was a, only a 21 year old guy and um, was um, previously convicted of um, armed robbery or a couple of years ago uh, so is this a, so, is this a a bail reform conversation did he uh no it's not i mean i i asked the um well i mean for one thing obviously it's a violent crime or these were violent crimes alleged and so he uh is um you know not he's certainly bail eligible and and, and was arraigned and, and remanded to the county uh jail but uh, he was also currently on parole. He was just like released from prison in 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 May. So it's more a, a story about how a recidivism and and recidivism. the failure of our criminal justice system. I mean, you know. Okay. So uh, when he was I mean, originally convicted, that was story. before bail reform. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, uh, yeah. I mean, this is an ongoing story for decades in terms of yeah. the rate of recidivism. Right. I mean, repeat offenders. Um, I, I did, however, use the opportunity to, when I was having a phone conversation with the chief of police in Riverhead to ask him about that again, because I've asked him several times about the impacts of the so-called cashless bail um, issue, which is where, you know, they, the state law took away discretion from uh, criminal court judges at arraignment to uh, impose bail conditions. And um you know, uh, once again, the police chief said, we're just not seeing that here. And um, yeah. that, you know, he said, look, I cannot say for sure that someone that we've arrested, you know, this morning wasn't arrested and released and, you know, released 
without bail in Southampton or another jurisdiction, because sadly, that's kind of the state of uh, affairs when it comes to the intercommunication between our police agencies. I think especially now with the county, uh, but IT problems, but in general, they don't have that kind of, you know, which is um, sad, I guess, but um, or inefficient anyway. Um, but in any event, he said, but other than that, that's not something that we've seen. And it's, you know, ev almost everyone, well, let's see, two or three out of the five town board members, including the supervisor and that, have said, you know, that we're seeing, you know, people getting arrested, they go out and commit a crime. We have one councilman recently said that one person did that four times in one day. The, you know? See, I think that's one of the interesting so, things about the nature. In Riverhead, uh, by the way, sorry. Yeah. The nature of crime, I, I think I think you have these spates of crime because often it's the same, the same, same person. You sometimes have an incident of violence and then a response with an incidence of violence. Th these things sort of flare up and it and it makes it seem. I mean, I I believe uh, that the numbers suggest that overall violent crimes not significantly rising uh, nationwide, but we have such a perception. When it when it when it happens and it's in your backyard, it really does feel like things are going out of control. You know, I'm I'm looking forward, and I, I think they come out around now. The FBI, you know, the annual report of um, criminal stats. Um, but we did have some other incidents that did not involve this person. I mean, so there was a, a getaway person, a getaway driver, uh, also arrested and charged. And there was in, somehow in connection to this, the police didn't explain the connection, but in connection to this man accused of these robberies, um, there was a, a, a teenager who had a loaded weapon and there were ghost guns involved in this too, I should point out, which uh, mm. who had, had, a teen, had a loaded handgun in his car parked at Riverhead High School. So they didn't say if he was a student there or not. You know, police police press releases can be leave a lot of information out of them. But um, so I don't know the answer to that. But um, a couple of days before there was a, a, a last Friday, actually, a, a Riverhead High School student, a, a boy arrested for menace on a menacing charge after a dispute outside the school. Uh, or at the school, I should say, with a female student. And I asked the chief of police, was that separate or, you know, connected to this person with the gun? In the, and he said, no, it was a completely separate incident. And there was no weapon involved, as far as I know, in that incident. Uh, it's just been, and then there was a drive-by shooting this week also um, on Doctor's Path. A car, uh, someone in a car fired into an occupied parked car. Wow. Um, on on Doctor's Path, and that just kind of smells like a gang thing, you know. I mean, yeah. we've seen that before. That so much of the crime doesn't seem all that random necessarily, and and yeah. but that doesn't mean that people people don't get caught up in the violence. It's uh, it's definitely alarming. It's still, so. un, it's, it's still unnerving for everyone. So it, it yeah. is, but you know what? I've I've got to say, and and it, you know, this is going to sound patronizing, but. As a Riverhead resident, and and granted, I live, um, you know, near the near the police station, but I, I think the 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 police presence in Riverhead is, um, um, I, I I mean, I I see cops all the time, and and I don't feel unsafe, although I don't think I would want to work as a gas station attendant right now. But I I think um, hopefully the Riverhead cops are 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 doing a good job, and you know responding to well them. i mean they I, they they put the pieces together and uh, and arrested this man um i also i've i neglected another incident that we just got word of this morning on you know friday morning uh there was a an armed holdup of a taxi driver um you talk about close to police headquarters uh at 821 east main street right across the street from town hall which has been a, a place of persistent you know, police activity, shall we say, yeah. since it was built in like, I don't even know when, like the 1960s, I think. But um, a, a cab driver reported to police that a man approached the car and put a gun to his neck and said, you know, give me all your money. 
Um, and then fortunately for him, when he did that, the guy ran away. So, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of guns, a lot of it, guns, too many guns. Kid, this kid that, uh, had the gun, the shooting outside of, uh, Zeldin's house, um, he had a he was put on seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar bail and one point that was in Shirley. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's one of the things people miss is that there is still cash bail. It's not like it's gone away um and in violent cases, but uh that that's probably a debate for another day. I mean, I, I feel like there was a lot of in, misinformation out there about cash bail and and that's obviously because it benefits uh, a political campaign, if they can talk about that, but that was a law that I think was was well intentioned, but needed a lot of tweaking after the fact, and probably still does uh, to reflect the realities. But uh, I'm not sure I agree, but we can move on. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation though about it, and I think there that's is. one of, one of the it things. It was highly that, propagandized for political. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Let's, call it, let's it was, call it what it is. I mean, it was know. weaponized, is what it was. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I do want to switch gears. I do want to switch gears and talk about uh, another uh, fairly big story that's that's brewing this week. Beth, uh, it looks like we're going to see another significant scallop die off. Uh, it's been fairly confirmed, um, but this one may be even worse news than usual. Right. Yeah. Um, we, we've been doing wonderful work rebuilding the scallop, um, the Peconic Bay scallop. Um, population up until 2019, um, when there was just a confluence of events that uh, that caused all the adult scallops to die off in 2019, 2020, 2021. But th there was a, always a silver lining that there were an enormous number of baby scallops because the um, adults had died after they, they had spawned. Um, and actually, they believed that the spawning process of um, had uh, so weakened the adults that that's what killed them. Um, but this year, they do not have a uh, large spawn of juveniles either. So not only have the adults died off, but there aren't that many um, baby scallops either. Um, so scallop season traditionally opens the day before Election Day, um, the, the first Monday in November. And uh, the last few years, you don't see any scallopers going out. Um, in the morning, they usually go out at daybreak, and it's a big thing. Um, they have had luck in the past couple of years finding them a little later in the season, uh, but I don't know what's going to happen this year. Um, the researchers at Cornell who work on this have been trying to um, breed a more resistant stock of scallops um, that are resistant to higher water temperatures and um, this parasite um, specifically. Uh, but the that is so far behind um, the reality on the ground in terms of just getting the numbers of res resilient scallops that they would need to repopulate the bays. Uh, it's like, it's like it, back back to zero, right? I mean, with, without right. the without the juvenile scallops, um, you know, surviving this year, there won't be any adults to spawn next year. So, I mean, it, it all comes back down to to beginning the reseeding effort again, which yeah. is a little scary. And, and, and a lot of this is due to warmer waters and climate change, they think, right, Beth? Yeah. And um, and scallops don't really do well in, um, in uh, I don't want to say captivity, but I guess that's what it is. They really, they're really fragile creatures that need, need very specific conditions in order to grow. Like clams and, I mean, and, and oysters do really well um, when they're farmed, but scallops have always been difficult. Just to be clear, when we're talking about the die-off, we're talking about ninety percent plus of the population being being dead in the world. Ninety-nine percent plus. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it is truly dire at the moment, and uh, you know uh, this Monday is likely just going to continue that trend. The last couple of years, uh, it's very alarming. This was this was such an important industry um, on the east end. Joe, to your point, one of one of the um, one of the scientists, and they go out and you know they they obviously take a look early on to see um, what where the scallops are, and and he said that um, in in total, and and what was a couple miles of surveyed bottom, they found nineteen adult scallops total. Um, yeah. So that's that's you know ninety nine point nine percent of the population is just gone. 
Yeah. And, and I think, Beth, I, you, you highlight the fact that the researchers are doing an awful lot actively to try and address this and try and do what they can to bolster the scallop population in the future. But it, I, I, I think we have to take a step back and just look at the situation and, and just say it's very dire right now as far yeah, as I mean, um, there's not a lot of reason for optimism, I feel like. But, I, you know, the researchers, that's not to, you know, I think the researchers do an amazing job. And if it can yeah. be done, they'll do it. But um, well, well, the I, first I, time I, they rebuilt the fishery, it took them 25 years. Yeah. yeah. And I, we've I, seen I, a also, bounce back with oysters, you know, but. But that's a different tough oysters are tough. Yeah, Yeah. tough cookies. They can handle a lot of conditions that scallops cannot handle. I I think we also noted that, um, you know, that that they were saying that traditionally there had been, I I don't know if it was, I I think, state money to help with, um, you know, with with the effort to 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 regrow the scallop population. But that had been kind of drying up and in recent years and um and so we were hope they were hoping that um um that that there would be a renewed interest by lawmakers to you know to bring some of those funds back and um if there's any if there's any silver lining at all to this which i, I don't know that there is is that there might be um you know more funds uh become available to to help the effort i missed I miss the Peconic Bay scallop harvest. I mean, yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was always really a nice, uh, you know, it was, it was something you really look forward to in November. Um, but uh, it looks like it's going to be few and far between the, again this year, unfortunately. Beth, you had a, you were going to say something. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the, no, the state has been supporting oysters, but you know, um, oysters get, get results. Yeah. You know, they're they're really doing amazing things with oysters right now. Um, they're easy to work with. They have a lot of side benefits as, uh, beyond just uh, being able to eat them, the way they filter the water, um, the way they can be used as artificial reefs to protect the coastline. There are just so many more uh, bright spots in the oyster industry than the scallops right now. So Such an let interesting me, thing let me, to let underscore. Me, let me just correct myself. I'm looking at... Uh, Mike Wright's story and uh, it wasn't state funding. He was talking about it was um, Suffolk County um, water quality grants um, that, that he was talking about. So let's be sure we're nudging our county legislators <laughs> to, uh, to help fund that, that program. Are those smaller bay scallops available anywhere else in the world? Are they like, you know, versus the larger ocean scallops, the Buchanan? Bay scallops that we eat are those bay scallops are those there, there are small bay scallops in other areas um yeah. but their genetics are different and actually ours are very unique in that they only live two years in their in their regular lives um it's a very is, unusual thing which is probably working against the efforts too a little bit but i think it's very interesting that the that the scallop the efforts to aid scallops and the efforts to aid oysters are are very different things and and have very different success rates because of exactly what you describe. I think scallops are very delicate uh, creatures and that makes it hard. So this is Behind the Headlines on WLIWFM. I'm Joe Shaw. My co-host is Bill Sutton. The uh, panel this week is Oliver Peterson of Dan's Papers, Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local, and Beth Young of the East End Beacon, and uh, Oliver. So we're gonna let's let's talk books a little bit. You've been writing about books in the last week or so. Um, you you have a couple of books uh, that you wrote about. Uh, one on Peter Beard and one on Steve Miller. Tell us a little bit about them. Um, so uh, the um, the uh, Peter Beard book uh, is an unofficial biography called Wild, The Life of Peter Beard, Photographer, Adventurer, Lover by Graham Boynton. And uh, it just came out uh, on October 11th. And uh, it was, uh, you know, I think it was um, uh, an interesting, um, you know, if anybody who doesn't know who Peter Beard is, he is a, uh, a brilliant artist who who spent a great deal of his time in Montauk. And uh, you may be familiar with his sort of collaged um, f- photography using a lot of blood and whatnot. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to get to spend some time with 
Peter um, years ago, um, like in the 90s, really, um, and, you know, maybe in like 2000. Um, and so it was kind of interesting for me to read this, you know, this guy's take on on his life and, and all the stuff that went on um, between. I mean, this is a guy who sort of wantonly um, and unapologetically used drugs throughout his life and was sort of a philanderer with women. But uh, yet, yet, as the book says, very few women ever had any kind of uh, anything bad to say about him. Uh, he was just sort of this magnetic personality and uh anyway the book is uh, very interesting it's got a, it's just talks about how how his his um work came to prominence uh with this guy peter tunney i still think his work is not where it should be honestly it still hasn't really gotten the um gotten the uh eye of the major museums as much as i think it should but uh and then um steve miller who's um uh, peter died uh in 2020 by the way um uh, right at the as the pandemic was underway. He disappeared. He he had dementia, and he went out walking in Montauk and disappeared for weeks. Uh, and they finally found his body. It was very sad. Um, very very tragic end. Yeah. yeah. And then Steve Miller is a local artist. Um, uh, I mean, he's an internationally known artist, but he he uh, is located in Sagaponic, and um, I got to spend some time with him recently talking about uh, his new book, uh, Surfing the Cosmos. Um, and really, it's 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 interesting. His sort of take on this book is that it's almost like a piece of art in itself. On a, uh, uh, but yet, like on a sort of wider distribution, obviously, than than a than a single piece of art. But uh, um, it's he went to um, CERN, where the uh, Large Hadron Collider is, where they sort of did all the research to find the God particle. Um, and then he also went to the favelas in Brazil and took pictures of all these wires there. And he used all this source material to put together these fantastic paintings are kind of a mix of photography and, and silkscreen. And anyway, the book's mm. fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, you can read about it on Dan's about what he did. Um, and he's doing a talk at, uh, he's doing a talk and a conversation and a uh, book signing at the church in Sag Harbor on Thursday. So uh, at six o'clock next Thursday. So um, yeah. Oh, very cool. Great. Yeah, very cool stuff. So staying on the, the topic of books, Denise, um, <laughs> we, we were talking about, so this headline torn from 2005, uh, <laughs> Barnes and Noble apparently going to open a bookstore. Open. Did it's, open. Oh, it's there. It's, yeah. it's already open. The grand open. opening was uh, Wednesday. Oh, okay. And um, um, that, that sort of bucks the trend a little bit, doesn't it? I guess not for Barnes and Noble. They kind of reinvented themselves a little bit. And um, with a new CEO hired after the company was purchased by some uh, private equity investment company, and they've been opening stores again. I mean, they closed a bunch of them, uh, as did other booksellers, but they've been opening them up again. They have plans to open up 30 more over the next year, they say. So we shall see. But all I know is that they are now located where Pier 1 Imports used to be, wow. uh, in the Riverhead Center uh, Shopping Center over on uh, Route 58 and Mill Road. Um, they're directly opposite. They're like in, in the, they're like behind the TGI Fridays and uh, what is it, IHOP, right? right. Um, directly opposite the building where Borders Bookstore used to be. Um, and as you know, Borders, you know, went belly up and, uh, closed all their stores uh, a few years back so um well more than a few years back at this point but um but it's a very nice store uh they do not have a cafe however but uh you can bring your own coffee um and it's just it's really really nice they've got did, um did you meet nelson demille i did yeah um he, he was, was there, there signing now. books yeah he cut the ribbon and he was signing his newest book um I think it's called the maze and i think it's about the gilgo well based not about but it's based on the the gilgo beach uh murders um and uh he was there you know from the morning he snipped the ribbon and sat inside i think he drew a lot of people to the opening but the, the line was uh around the corner of the building and then moved back into the parking lot uh, and um, the people who are working there were all very excited 
The store manager is a very young woman. Her It's her first uh, mat, mat store manager gig. Uh, she worked for um, 10, 11 years for this company, 10 of them in Smith Haven Mall. And um, a lot of uh, what I have learned from someone I know quite well, uh, who got a job as a bookseller there. Um, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I worked at a bookstore uh, years ago when I was in college and I was just like, you know, that's was my favorite, favorite job until I became a community journalist. And of course that eclipses everything. But, um, but um, so I, I'm told that like, they have a lot of longevity in this company. Like everybody, she, they, they did training at the uh, Smith Haven store and like everybody that works there had been there for like 10 years. So um, oh. the store manager here and the, um, her name is Sarah and the assistant manager both started out at Smith Haven uh, as seasonal part-time workers. I, um, I think that, that, to... that's an industry that just, yeah. that just, I mean, uh, attracts people who are passionate uh, uh, about books. books. I think any, any bookstore you ever go into and, you know, the people working there, it's not, you know, just, okay. just kids making money for college. It's people who are just passionate about books and, and, and reading. And I think that's what makes those, experience is so cool i, I wonder yeah. what their what their business model is i mean it's obviously books have become a niche market um yeah. and print, printed paper books and i wonder how they're how they're surviving um yeah well i you know i don't know but they but they say that they are and we shall see um yeah. myself like I, I think maybe this is part of it uh i couldn't wait to go walk through the doors and just like take a really deep inhale, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the smell of all those books. And I know that may make me a little weird, but I could tell from no, the you, nodding knew, of the people. You know, I, I knew that's exactly here. what you were going to say, yeah. that you walked in and yeah. smelled the books. Just, you know, um, I also like the smell of newsprint, though. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. But um, but anyway, I mean, I, I, I know that. You know, I'm going to make a point of buy, when I buy a, a book as opposed to an audio book or a, a Kindle book, I, I'm going to buy it there instead of uh, on Amazon because, um, you know, just because I want them to stay there if possible. Um, and so, I mean, they have they also have some other things that are interesting. They have a magazine section, which is kind of nice. It's not just, you know, the magazines that you can get at like Walgreens or something. And they have um, a greeting, a nice line of greeting cards. Um, and they also have um, vinyl records, like a small oh, selection, but an interesting very selection. Very popular right now. Vinyl LPs, yeah. Um, Do they have CDs? I, <laughs> I didn't see because it. because it's no, so it's, it's very CDs. interesting to me how that how the <laughs> CDs have disappeared and vinyl has has returned. I just find that really fascinating. I I think that's an interesting development. You need Obviously, to invent a car record play. Yeah, I think they're yeah and car record player. I don't know how Denise, there are people Denise. who are just like very wedded to vinyl. They love it, and I don't really. It's, get it's, it's well, made it a huge its, resurgence. It has its own yeah. sound, where CDs yeah. don't have a CD and digital music. I don't think they sound very they, different. They sound the same. Vinyl yeah. has its own sound that that, yeah. that uh, can't be replicated necessarily. Um, so. This is an hour we could spend. We could yeah. just talk an hour. <laughs> Denise, I, I have digital. to ask. I mean, you like the smell of of, of books and, and newsprint. When when you were in school, were you the kid that ran the mimeograph machine? <laughs> I don't remember that, no, but I like the smell of mimeograph. Yeah. I that do might have remember been for different reasons. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so before. We have a couple of minutes left, and Oliver, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about something else you wrote about, which was the Strong Point Steinert Ranch. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell sure. us a little bit about this. This is something that has a local connection, uh, but uh, is really something that that's that's across the country, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, the uh, so just you know, with Veterans Day coming up, it's just a good time to. You know, if anyone wanted to uh, donate to these uh, to this organization or or just their their uh, uh, basically Strong Point Thinert, um the family of uh, First Lieutenant Joseph Thinert, um who was killed in Afghanistan um, in 2010, I believe, um, 
they uh, took that loss. And, and he's from Shelter Island, right? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yep. 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 Um, yep. And they uh, and they and, and so they, they took that painful loss and they turned it into something pretty incredible in that they they had a family ranch out in um, New Mexico and uh, a thousand more than a thousand acres um, in Magdalena, New Mexico. And uh, they started a program there where they invite um, they for free. The, everything is paid for. They have um, veterans. They've also, I think, had gold star families um, like themselves, uh, which is uh, families who have had um, uh, losses in, in, in the military. Um, uh, they have these veterans out and they do um, like a lot of healing uh, retreat programs. Um, they've, they've, they're now adding equine therapy to that. They've just, they've just built a, a bunkhouse um, to accommodate more people, um, and and they and it's it's been um, it's their results have been incredible. They did uh, they did work with the um, the people who experienced that um, Jolly uh, uh, Jolly Five One um, crash in 2018, um, where through the uh, through the Gabreski Air Base um, there was uh, four four people who died from there, um, and they they had. Um, uh, some of the people who had to witness, who witnessed that from um, another uh, helicopter uh, um, to, uh, out there to deal with this stuff. They've dealt with everything from Vietnam veterans to um, to uh, obviously the veterans of the modern wars. Um, but they they do uh, incredible work. I'm, I'm probably not um, speaking as well as I could of them, but they uh, they it's worth uh, taking a look at what they're doing. Um, and they've done Very some work out here. Yeah very timely too for for veterans day as you said and uh um so that's that's a dance paper she can go read that article um for sure so we are uh getting close to running out of time here so uh we do want to remind everybody again that early voting is taking place this weekend and tuesday is election day go vote it is very important that everybody goes to vote. You've got to have your voice heard. And these races, a lot of them are very close. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, the votes matter more in those situations, of course. So please do get out and vote. Uh, that's all the time we have for this week on Behind the Headlines. I want to thank our panelists, Oliver Peterson of Dan's Papers. Denise Civiletti of Riverhead Local and Beth Young of the East End Beacon. Thank you guys, as always. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you too to my co-host, Bill Sutton. Bill, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Always a pleasure. And we will be back next week again with a new edition of Behind the Headlines uh, next Saturday. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you.